weird what you remember in your life, in your head, in the world. One of my earliest memories is actually of that sort of black and gray static of a television screen. Weirdly, it's probably not something most people of the millennial generation really think of or conceive because for the most part, it's not something you see anymore. But for me, being sort of in between Generation X and uh, the Millennials, I had that firmly rooted. It's one of my first memories of staring at that static screen. Some of my other very earliest memories from that period of time of a Christmas tree. My long dead grandfather, my mother's father, and playing with flour on the floor that I pulled out of a cabinet and running my trucks through it, jumping up and down in the toilet bowl as a kid, stepping on a nail that was attached to a board and having to go to the hospital. It's all these strange, very short clipped memories, but some of the stronger memories that I have formed after I moved into the rural county of Nevada County. Some of my other earliest memories are of riding in this van down to Sacramento after we'd moved into our house out in Chicago Park. And on those rides, we were, we were basically packing up super early in the morning to go to this daycare that, or school that my mom had enrolled us in. That's a Christian academy. And I remember these rides basically every single time my mom would tune into Paul Harvey. And if you don't know who Paul Harvey is, he was a radio announcer. Um, and if you were to fixate him somewhere on the political spectrum, it would be slight right. And in today's political spectrum, maybe a moderate. <laughs> but um, he had this voice and this presence and this way of talking that was so, I would say magnetic. And I, I still, to this day, like, am, am a little bit enamored with Paul Harvey's entire shtick. You know, if you, if you want to hear something that'll sort of uh, pull you in, even if you're an atheist like myself, listen to uh, Paul Harvey's take on uh, this thing called God Made a Fama. It's quite a, it's quite a good time. Um, when I was screen printing some bags with my ex uh, last year in my garage, we listened through it and really, really laughed a lot. And it was an ongoing joke for us for quite some time. But, yeah, let's go back to that first memory, because I feel like that's something that's it's actually it's something that had a big peace in my life and defined me in a lot of ways and 
you know, particularly probably had something to do with the fact that I had ADD, but let's, let's get to that. Let's just pretend that you are my life and go back, 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 back to the 1980s. And suddenly you're 10 miles from anything that you can think of as civilization. The closest thing that's really like kind of cool for us as a kid, you know, as kids is a single pump, one room, corner store, where they have VHSs, just a crap load of candy, and it's basically like a bodega, but you don't call rural corner stores bodegas, you just call them corner stores or country stores or stores. I don't know why. That's just what people do. <laughs> anyway, that was like the hot spot for 10 miles around. The old Chicago Park general store. So, other than that, when I came home from school or whenever I was at home, I basically had very, very, very few options, like none, as to what to do. You know, it's basically, I could do my homework, and for a kid with ADD, that was like, for nah, but the other option was, I could read at my own leisure, which fully was something I engaged in, but I tended to run out of books very quickly. I could draw, but again, I have ADD, so my patience level is not extreme. I can do that for about an hour, and then I just, like, hate everything, and, you know, the thing with ADD is you have an intense amount of, uh, trouble kind of sorting out sensory information, and suddenly it's very confusing, and by the end of it, you feel like your hand hurts a lot more than it actually does. And it's hard to focus. Almost like how right now, it's probably pretty hard to focus on my voice. And then there was, of course, the other option, which I almost always fell into. Which was watching television. Now, we had an antenna on the roof, but like I said, we lived in the middle of nowhere. And the closest broadcasting station for television channels, I know this is crazy because everybody's got digital TV now, but, but back in the day, it was all analog. And so you had to use an antenna to pick up this analog signal. And at that time, the closest station broadcasting an analog signal was over 50 miles away.
What this functionally meant was that there were about four channels that would come in at the same time. And then you could move the antenna. And one, two, three of those channels would go out and you'd get like another four channels from some other area. Because there was channels being broadcast out of Chico, channels being broadcast out of Sacramento, and um, some other channels being broadcast out of other areas. Like, sometimes we would pick up one out of San Francisco, which was crazy. But, but for the most part, it was like, if you made an adjustment, you were pretty much picking winners and losers, and you had to decide. What this meant most of the time was as long as the weather was good, you know, say on like a Saturday morning when I was at home, I could kind of adjust the channels, watch different cartoons, because back in the day there used to be this whole programming platform called Saturday Morning Cartoons, which were uh, sort of a, sort of a, uh, <laughs> sort of a platform to sell uh, sugary cereal and shitty toys to impressionable minds. Um, and I'm going to be real, that's super predatory and shitty. But I'm also going to be equally honest <coughs> and say <laughs> the fact that there was programming aimed at kids in general, that was that there was like this whole section of American television just devoted to the attention span, interests, and like the imagination of children it was amazing, and it's sad that it's gone, for sure. But outside of like Saturday morning cartoons, they're really. There really wasn't like a lot for a kid to watch on TV, unless I tuned into like PBS, which sometimes had interesting shows and sometimes had really dry, adult, boring shit on it. And I mean, that's the part that gets a little rough, is that what I said was, if the weather was good. And often, it was not. So what we had in response to that, of course, was the magic of VHS. Now my father had what I like to think of as the Great Wall of Copyright Infringement. It was basically like half of our living room just taken over the whole wall by illegally recorded VHS movies. Now, from the ages like six to nine, I, you know, I didn't engage with the Great Wall very often. It was sort of a thing of my parents and mostly my father's. But after the age of nine, when my parents got divorced and I began to sort of spiral in emotionally and intellectually, well, my dad was out of the house we were really broke and there wasn't really the option to like go out and do stuff like there had been before so suddenly 
the Great Wall of copyright infringement became sort of the friends that I didn't have. Whenever I felt lonely or lost or bored, I would just grab that old VHS of Willow and just watch it one more time. Mad Mardigan, you idiot! And I would say from the ages of like 9 to 14, from the time that like the weird, intense tragedy of my family life sort of coalesced and my own family's spiraling, fracturing, and just inevitable like collapse happened. I really leaned in heavy on those VHSs. I mean, I basically watched the same 300 videotapes over and over again. And it was like, come home from school, throw on a tape, watch the movie, watch the whole damn movie. And you know, you can do that once in a year and you've watched every movie in the thing one time. But then you, by the end of that, have favorites. Then you have your favorite movies. Those ones that you keep watching over and over again. One of mine was, as I noted before, Willow. Another one was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Which, oddly enough, out of all the Indiana Jones movies is maybe the goriest and also the worst. But, well, let's not talk about the Temple School crystal skull temple whatever the hell that is that movie's awful but you know what i mean of those original three like 80s flicks that one's probably the worst but as favorites go eventually you find that there's these videos that are just too damn awful to watch another time and so what does any person with a VHS do? They get a second VCR, hook it up, rent a movie, and get new favorites. So you record over the old garbage tapes, the little piece of tape on the front, and now you have a new favorite movie to watch over and over again. One of mine, of course, was Silence of the Lambs. I know, I probably shouldn't have been watching that as a kid, but boy did I love that movie. God, it was well acted. So creepy. So I guess my question at this point is, do you have some movies that you've watched dozens of times that are your favorites? And if so, what are they? I definitely know mine. Those first two Aliens flicks, Alien 1 and Aliens. Oh, so good. Sigourney Weaver, permanent crush.